is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey guys, welcome back to Church for the Rest of Us. And this is our series presenting the greatest hits from our 2023 Church for the Rest of Us conference. I'm here in studio with my co-host, Leslie Bennett. Leslie, who do we have presenting for us today? Today, we really have two of our best leaders, my own campus pastor, Pastor Todd Thomas, and the one and only Scott Crawford, frequent podcast guest and family church business guru. And they're going to talk about a topic really very near and dear to our hearts. That's right. They're going to talk about staff culture for both the pastoral and the HR perspectives. They're going to define for us the factors that we pay close attention to here at Family Church and that really every church of any size should consider paying attention to if they aren't already. So let's go ahead and get this started. Todd and Scott, what do you have for us? Thanks, Pastor. Yeah, so I have the privilege of giving some leadership to our network resources team. And for us, that's a lot of the behind the scenes ministry that takes place, things like our finance and HR and legal. And my good friend, Pastor Todd Thomas, sitting next to me. But Todd, you're one of our campus pastors, but you also wear some other hats in our organization. Why don't you tell everybody? Yeah, I do. So I moonlight as a worship leader sometimes. I'm a musician, and that's been a big part of my ministry really since my high school and college days till now. But I also give a little bit of oversight to our whole team of campus pastors and helping them just stay focused and think about our future as we continue to start more neighborhood churches and see the gospel reach every family in in every neighborhood in South Florida. Yeah. And in these roles, you and I spend a lot of time thinking about culture and you know the way that we think about it, culture transcends a church's size and the number of locations. So for us, as we think about culture, it's interesting because that word really conjures up or evokes kind of so many different thoughts and definitions, don't you think? It does. You know, the Webster's look at the word culture when we talk about it in business or organizational sense is that it's the environmental evidence or proof of your values and beliefs. It, it's going to reflect or communicate to others that, you know, what you actually value is what you say you value, that that's a consistent thing. But the definition I really like, or I've heard that has resonated with me is that your culture is really the soul of an organization, the soul of an organization. It's the written and unwritten philosophies and practices within that organization. And we think language matters because it helps create and communicate culture. Yeah, I think the way we think about it is culture is transmitted through leadership over a long period of time. And we try to do that through common language, common mission and vision, and common practices. And honestly, the same is true in our homes. You know, over time, a home begins to create kind of a certain tone or a vibe. You know, the house, one house clearly sends the message that you got to take your shoes off at the door and you better not touch anything. While others, you walk into it and it, and it kind of gives that vibe that says, hey, why don't you go grab a Coke from the fridge and come watch the game with us? And, you know, so I think that's important. But Why do you think it's important for a church to give time thinking about its culture? Well, there's a bunch of benefits, I would say. There's five things that I think about. And for those of you that like taking notes in church on Sunday and are type A, maybe these are the five things you'll write down from the podcast. But here's what can be helpful as you define your culture. One, 
it lets you calibrate. It's you know calibration keeps everyone on the same page. Especially important for leaders to think that way in how you manage your teams and lead your teams. It keeps everybody calibrated and going in the same direction. Second, which is huge, is clarity. This is what really provides motivation for your teams and your people because everybody understands what's expected of them. And all of us have been on teams where we've been frustrated because at the end of the day, we didn't really fully crystallize what was expected of us and what constituted success in our role. Third, focus. Focus helps you prevent mission drift. It keeps you moving forward in the direction of your church, your organization's mission and your vision. I think another thing it does is consistency. And for us, that's huge because we are in a multi-site environment. I mean, as we sit right now in the middle of 2023, we have 10 campuses in English, three in Spanish, one in Portuguese, and that's going to continue to grow in the next year. We're going to probably be at 16 or 17. And so for us, having consistency is Huge. So the idea of templates and reports and the kinds of things that we're asking of people, we can be consistent across the board. But last, and one of the most important things is recruiting. This helps us think about the kind of people we want on our team. And, you know, it's more than just the job description. It's what you feel when you're around here and what it's like to work here. And that recruiting is on both sides. It's how we feel about the people we're sitting with and thinking about bringing on our team. But it's also what hopefully they're looking for when they come and they think about serving with us here at Family Church. Yeah, that's right. I'm so glad you said recruiting, actually. So, you know, the corporate world pushes the starting salary it kind of gives you a picture of the corporate ladder and how fast you can climb it. And then they try to kind of convince a young recruit that their company's better than the competition. <laughs> yep. And we're literally not doing that at all. We're doing the exact opposite. So I think for us on the recruiting side, on the HR side, we talk in terms of what it's like to work here, you know, that you're valued, that you're respected. We talk about things like relationships. Uh, they're more important than task. We highlight inclusivity and the importance that we place on collaborative decision-making we spent a lot of time talking about the mission field of South Florida and how our mission and vision at Family Church are advancing the gospel in our region. And so I guess the bottom line is we aren't comparing ourselves to other ministries or highlighting bigger opportunities and more money. We're inviting people to join us on what we think is an incredible mission. I love that. And I think every leader listening to the podcast today should consider that, that you're so excited about and passionate about your mission that you want to have the right culture so that when people get around it, they start to already think in their minds, that'd be the kind of place where... I want to work. But the problem is there's some culture killers out there too, right? And all of us have experienced these. And there's two that I would just highlight that we've seen and try to protect ourselves from is one, countercultures. And these are the other cultures that exist within the church that at their worst are in direct opposition to our expected culture, our defined culture, but at their best undermine that stated culture, right? It's the idea of maybe people really leaning away from or revolting from a direction that we have and don't really buy in or demonstrate the right kind of engagement and they're engaged in other things. And sometimes that's a, that's a counterculture. But a second one is subcultures. And these are kind of groups within the groups and with us, with over 100 employees and all that, that you can see that happen from time to time. Subcultures are not necessarily good or bad. They're not inherently good or bad, but they're, you know, based on similar roles, language, education, and life interests. And 
And so you want to keep an eye on these as they grow, right? It's like everybody having their fantasy football leagues or, or even how our teams can silo our student ministry team and our kids ministry team and our worship staff or, hey, all our Spanish speaking staff and all our Portuguese staff. We want to keep an eye on these as they grow and just make sure they're not creating sideways energy. They're not stealing from our culture, but really they're enhancing and encouraging the kind of culture that we want to have. And so countercultures, subcultures, those are some things that we want to keep a close eye on. But Scott, what about you in your role? Have you seen some other culture killers? Have you experienced any of those in your leadership here? Yeah, I don't know that I would say I've seen it here, but I definitely have seen it in other churches and have talked to other people who have commented and have seen it in their own church. Mm -hmm. And that is what I would call cultural infidelity. And by that, I mean a church that either says or promotes itself as one thing or one way, but then actually functions or operates in a completely different manner. So, for example, we say that we promote from within and we actually do. We say that we have collaborative decision making Mm -hmm. and we actually do. But if you said one and then acted a a completely different way, then I think that's cultural infidelity. And I think the point of all this is that like everything else we talk about on the podcast, you have to be intentional. You know, the law of entropy says that everything breaks down or weakens over time. So that's why in addition to identifying those things that can negatively impact culture, we think it's just as important that you take steps proactively to build your culture. And so... Todd, again, you wear multiple hats in our church leadership structure. And so what are the ways that our church and other churches can build their culture? And Scott, one of my favorite things about working with you is I learned phrases like the law of entropy, which I <laughs> so, you know, everybody get out your dictionary, look that up later. But how can you build your culture and the right kind of culture at your church? That's a great question. I think I'd give you a couple of thoughts. One, I think you should just define who you want to be. Like, how do you want your church or your organization to look and feel? What kind of, you know, how do you want your team to feel about working there? That affects you and other leaders. That should affect the rest of your team. But if you're a church leader, this idea of defining who you want to be should be something that affects your whole church. What does it mean for your whole church to really feel the right culture of that church? I think a second thing would be to communicate the details, right? We say, you know, it's not all just caught Great leaders, when you're around great leaders like, I mean, Jimmy, obviously we love serving with you, Jimmy, and others here. And there's a lot of things that you catch from Jimmy's leadership and Scott, your leadership, but there are things we have to teach. Mm -hmm. It's not all just caught. It must be taught. So we do say it over and over again. We do that at our retreats. We do that in our breakfast meetings. We do that Mm -hmm. at the start of our meetings. We sometimes bake that into our prayer times for each other. We say it over and over and over again and even put it in print. And then last, I'd say just displaying it in everyday activities. You know, we have some ways that we honor and celebrate our birthdays around here and staff milestones in our monthly and weekly staff chapel and how we encourage people and the kind of environment that we want to create, even our conference and what we do on our campuses on Sundays when we say we want things to feel like an Irish pub and family dinner and just the kind of friendship and camaraderie and family feel that we want our churches to have. And so we try to do our best to lead by example and really lean into our culture when situations arise. Yeah, those are so good. I also think we do a good job of kind of channeling what I would say, channeling our inner brave heart. We defend it. We vigorously defend our culture around here. And 
One of the ways that we do that is we promote it over the individual. And so we all are trying to put others first and think of others as more highly than ourselves. And and that's not just a biblical cliche, like we're actually trying to live that out. And then I think one of the ways we defend it is that we have a super low tolerance for alternatives. Like Mm -hmm. we're not really interested in adding to the culture or bringing people in from the outside that want to have a different culture. And so that's kind of what we talked about with culture killers. So we vigorously defend it. And then I think just recognizing that we're all culture carriers, you know, so we're creating opportunities. So, you know, several of the ways that we do that around here are meals, meetings, and retreats. And so we think meals are relationship accelerators. Pastor Jimmy uh, regularly encourages us to what he calls spill Cracker Barrel syrup. And Mm -hmm. so that's spending time with people over meals. We think meetings are not just informational. It's not just for the purpose of transferring data or bringing people up to speed or talking about things that happened last Sunday or what we're doing the following Sunday. We think meetings are a way to build culture. And then retreats. And our retreats, I know in your mind, you're thinking a retreat in South Florida, that must be tough work. Actually, these aren't vacations for us. Now, to be fair, we do laugh a lot, and sometimes we laugh at ourselves, and sometimes we laugh at others, but we do laugh a lot, but we're maximizing the opportunity of being away together as a team without all the normal responsibilities and distractions, and we're intentionally driving alignment for our mission, our vision, and our core values as we do that together as a team. And so, you know, over the course of time since Pastor's been here, We've kind of developed a number of distinct phrases and philosophies, so we've kind of got a a short list of those. We wanted to to run through some of those with you. Yeah, and these are things that we say here often. These apply to all staff at all levels, and you know we do think you get what you honor, and so these are the kinds of things that we're trying to honor. And, And the first that I love, we say a lot around here, is that we want to pull people in and lift people up, that we are for our people, and we want to do the best we can to make them always feel that way, that they feel like they're a part of the family. We also want to encourage people to fill gaps with trust. We Mm -hmm. say it often, fill the gap with trust. Sometimes decisions are made you don't understand. Maybe you can be frustrated by, but not rushing to think that that person had the worst Mm -hmm. intent. But I fill the gap with trust. Hey, they love me. They love our church. Maybe we have a conversation and we can sort that out. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's good. Another one was for on the HR side, you know, we do terms of, we say hire, slow, and fire fast. So what that means is we're going to spend a lot of time up front getting to know who someone is and what their core values are and how they think they could be, whether or not they're a good fit for our environment. And so, but then once we figure out that somebody is leaning away from the culture or is not contributing or is not really helping us advance the mission, then we also don't spend a lot of time continuing to deal with the problem over and over and over again. We try to help them find somewhere where they can be successful in ministry. I think the spirit of continuous improvement, you Mm -hmm. know, several years ago, we went through an exercise where we were working through some of the organizational challenges we had and some of our processes and systems. And we were challenged by one of our church members, actually, who did some consulting for us to think of ourselves as staying in a posture of continuous improvement. And, And so always looking for things to improve and make better Uh, One of the things we say in in relationship to that is processes work for us. We don't work for them. Mm -hmm. And so in that spirit, we constantly evaluate how we're doing things and why we're doing things. And that seems to help a lot as well. Yeah. When it comes to clarity, there are a couple of things that also help. We have a thing called the Staff Ten Commandments, which outlines very clearly how we handle relationships and how we guard ourselves against any accusation, impurity or sexual or relational indiscretion. We also have leadership principles that are all about the kind of 
culture we want to have here, like being a family, being trustworthy, being a motivator, being an innovator, being a collaborator. These are things we talk about all the time. And those leadership principles make their way into lots of conversations around here. Yeah. One of the other things we do is we say that we hire for character or fit, and then we train skills and duties. And Mm -hmm. so what you learn over time is we've just seen there are a lot of people who have all the right pedigree. They've got the right education. They've got the right experience. They've served in the right capacity or on the right church staff. And the reality is, is that, man, for us and who we are, we've got a pretty distinct culture and how we do things. And that's not always a fit for everybody. So again, we focus on the very front end of looking for the right fit and the right character. And then we can always train skills where there might be gaps and And then another one is just recognizing that people for us really are the investment. Mm -hmm. So one of the things, the way that we leverage resources and in our model lends itself to is that we run a pretty lean operation in terms of staffing and events and programming, but then we make significant investments in our people. And so that's in terms of education and opportunities and professional development and personal development. And so we're putting a lot of time and resources and energy into our staff. And we think that's for us, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, it's huge. And the last one I'll I'll highlight, which is similar, is that we say often here, we circle the wagons. When people are struggling, when a family crisis has hit, when they just need a hand or some encouragement that we do whatever we can with all the power of family church and all of our own individual power and relational influence that we have, we do what we can to pull people in and lift people up and help them get through their difficult days, which is really the way of Jesus. It's what Jesus modeled for us in the gospels. It's what he accomplished for us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And it's what you see the churches in the book of Acts and in the Mm -hmm. New Testament do for each other. Look, we always say the things that we talk about are meant to be descriptive and not prescriptive. We're just happy to share some of the things we're trying out here at Family Church and hope that some of it might be a blessing to other churches and to all of you out there. Scott, anything else you would add before we wrap up? Man, just I'm so glad that God has brought our families together and that I get to do ministry with people that I genuinely love and respect. And and honestly, Todd, at this point, if I'm being totally transparent, Talking about meals and meetings has kind of got me thinking about putting this microphone down and heading towards some of those meetings and meals. (laughs) I think we should do it. I think we should do it. Like I said, they are two of the best and two of the reasons that we have a great staff culture here at Family Church. Yeah, Leslie, I couldn't agree more. And I hope that our listeners took some good notes and I hope they'll recommend this podcast to their friends. And better yet, I hope that you listeners will leave us a rating and some comments on your favorite podcasting platform so that we can reach more people and more people can find this podcast. We'll be back to take this topic a little bit further. We're going to have Pastor Tyler Core and Pastor Winter Ullman here to talk about how to become a culture carrier. And listeners, if you want to advance your culture on your team, in your church, you've got to identify some culture carriers in addition to yourself, whether they are volunteers or paid staff. Culture carriers are the key. We're going to talk about that next episode. I'm Jimmy Scroggin signing off for Leslie Bennett, Todd Thomas, and Scott Crawford. This has been Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.